Hi, you're listening to History, Zoology, and Stories for Kids. And Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving Eve! So, Thanksgiving Eve is basically the day before before uh, the real Thanksgiving. Since it's Thanksgiving Eve, I thought we might make an episode about Thanksgiving. Now, this is part one. You can check out you can check out part two. It's coming out tomorrow, so make sure to use the link in the description below. Use that to send as many things you're thankful for. Now, so for our history, we'll be talking a little bit about the history of Thanksgiving. Then for our zoology, we'll be talking about the most, the most Thanksgiving animal, the turkey. And next, and then for our story, we'll be read, we'll be continuing Mr. Lemoncello's Great Library Race. Okay, now, now let's jump into the history. Alright kids, so a long time ago, before we were all born, Pil- Pilgrims lived near Hollywood. Now they weren't allowed to worship God the correct way, so they decided to leave for the New World. Now, there in the New World, the New World is what they used to call a land where they where it hasn't been discovered by anyone yet. So they asked the government to see if they were able to leave for the new world. The government said, sure, okay, go ahead. So the pilgrims started packing their bags and heading to the shore and and they waited for a boat. Now, boats wouldn't fit everyone the boat wouldn't fit everyone, so half of the people left. Then, then another boat came and picked up those people. They're going through all this trouble just so they could worship their God. Okay, now these pilgrim Christians traveled along the sea on the famous ship, the Mayflower. Some of them got sick and some of them died. That was really sad. And the bo- because the boat started rocking back and forth and back and forth. And they couldn't go outside of the boat for some fresh air because there were big storms there, shaking the boat, rattling the boat. So some of them might have gotten seasick or scurvy. Okay. So, they traveled this long way, and then they reached the New World. The New World was unusual, with a high population of trees. They couldn't, they couldn't park the ship 
right there immediately. So they just uh, put. So they had to leave the ship near the shore and take out smaller boats, uh, what we call rafts today, or canoes. Then, then they went to the shore of the New World. Okay, so there. What happened was they didn't know what was out there, so they had to be extra careful. They chopped down some trees and made some homes. Now the homes wouldn't fit one entire family, so maybe、uh, different people started living in different people's house. Like maybe、uh, if you were one of those pilgrim Christians, you were forced to sleep with your friend. At your friend's house, you probably had a wonderful time for a little while. Then maybe you start to fight or argue, and maybe it might seem less fun because it's normal to you now that your friend is there. And maybe your mom got a little tired of cooking with another mom, or maybe your dad was bored because he couldn't see you and he had to live with another dad. And those dads got probably got tired of of just building more houses on all on their own. That must have been a hard time for them, but they were willing to do it for for the sake of their for, just to worship their God. Well, that's our history, and we'll continue that story in the next episode. Now, let's hear what you kids are. What some of you. Kid experts are are thankful for before we get to our zoology. Hi. So we have three of our. So like Mr. Lemoncello, I have my own board of trustees, people who I trust. Okay, so three of my kid experts, three of our kid experts, Sophia, Sylvie, and Kayla have agreed to tell them what to tell all of us what they're thankful for. Sophia said that she's thankful for her family, her friends, and all the nice things that she has been given. Kayla said that she's thankful that she has a nice food and clean water, a good house, a, a nice parents, good friends, and nice siblings too. And Kayla said, and Sylvie said that she is thankful for everything. Well. Let's hear about turkeys and see how they are related to Thanksgiving. Hey kids! So for our zoology, we will mention three interesting facts. Number one: Back then, turkeys were related to Thanksgiving because. The pilgrims back then hunted turkeys for their feasts. Number two, 
turkeys walks walk like chickens and squabble like them sometimes. And turkeys eat seeds. So that's our three interesting facts, and we'll mention more facts at part two. Now we're going to read Mr. Lemoncello's Great Library Race. We're going to continue to chapter three. Racing through the first turn, it's Seabiscuit leading in a surprise move cried the scratchy recorded voice of an old-fashioned racetrack announcer talking through his nose. Kyle and, uh, Kyle and his friends leaped out of the way as the two horses on and their jockeys whipped out of the rim of, of the rotunda as if it were a, a racetrack. The breathless announcer kept going. Seabiscuit is in the lead by one length, two lengths, War Admiral is on is right on his heels. Dust clouds billowed up behind holographic horses, dirt churning hooves. Down the back stretch, there goes War Admiral after him. Now the horse race is on. They're neck and neck, head and head, nose and nose, and it is either one. Take your choice. Kyle could feel the floor quaking, quaking as the two powerful horses galloped around the room. Go, Seabiscuit! shouted Sierra, waving her book in the air. Both jockeys driving, cried the track announcer. It's horse against horse. Seabiscuit leads by a length. Now Seabiscuit by a length and a half. Seabiscuit by three. Seabiscuit is the winner. The horses vanished. Woohoo! shouted Kyle. Whoa! said Miguel. cried Miguel. That was ama that was amazing. That was Seabiscuit and War Admiral from their match race of nineteen thirty eight at Pim at Pimlico, a racetrack near Baltimore, said Sierra. It was unreal, said Akini. I know, said Kyle. It was incredible. No, I mean it wasn't real. You could see right through the horses. Those stupid horses scared me, whined Andrew Peckleman, sliding his goggle-sized glasses back up the bridge of his nose with one finger. I thought they were going to run right over us. Then I realized they were just holograms. Well, Andrew, said Mr. Lemoncello, let this be a lesson to all. The first answer isn't always the best answer. Chap? Yes, sir? Tell them about our brand new non-fictionator. Sorry, sir, no can do. That, non that information is top secret, classified. And I believe restricted. I also believe that restrict, restrict, and and I believe that restrictive, and I believe restrictified. I also believe that restrictified is not an actual word. Actually, it's a new word, one I invented and wrote down 
with my frindle. Plus, I hereby and forthwith, not to mention fifth, fifth with officially declassify, derestrictify the information uh, in question. Mr. Lemoncello turned to the kids. Mr. Ramo is new here at the library and somewhat shy. Perhaps if you clap your hands as you would for Tinkerbell, we, could, we can convince him to tell us about our new non-fiction hero. Everybody clapped. Kyle even whistled. Very well, Mr. Ramo stood up and smoothed out his lab coat. Thanks to its high-speed processor and enormous database, the non-fictionator can generate historical holograms capable of conversing with our library patrons. Ask a question, they'll answer it. The non-fictionator can bring historical characters to interactive life. With this new invention, added Mr. Lemoncello, non nonfiction doesn't have to be dry and dusty unless of course it's a horse race of Lawrence of Ar Arabia. Chat, if you please, astound me. Yes, sir, said Mr. Ramo. He tapped the glass on his tablet computer. Careful, dear, trilled a voice from the second floor. I smell horse poop. I am very familiar with the with horse droppings, said another. That's Eleanor Roosevelt, said Akimi, grabbing Kyle's arm. She's my hero. And Sakagewi, added Miguel, the show the Shoshone interpreter and guide from the Lewis and Clark expedition. The two holographic women descended a spiral, a spiral staircase from the second floor. Go ahead, said Mr. Lemoncello. Ask them a question. Kyle couldn't resist. Um, Miss Sakagewi, how come you know so much about horse food? Because I know so much about horses, she replied. In 1805, when I was only the young woman traveling with Lewis and Clark, they needed fresh horses to cross the Rockies. I helped them barter a pony deal with the nearest Shoshone tribe, whose leader turned out to be my long-lost brother, Kamiwait. Fascinating, said Eleanor Roosevelt. We could have used your nego negotiating skills when, created the, when creating the United Nations. The two women drifted across the library floor toward one of the meeting rooms and then vanished. Now that's incredible, said Andrew. Kyle snapped his fingers. With the non-fictionator, we could create all sorts of new exhibits where historical ho holograms answer questions people ask them. Mr. Lemoncello slapped himself in the forehead. Why didn't I think of that? Oh wait, I did, several months ago. Is this why we're having the special board of trustees meeting this weekend? Asked Andrew. 
to unveil your new invention? Perhaps, said Mr. Lemoncello mischievously. I also have a very special announcement to make. Something that will definitely keep several board members from being bored. Oh, slight change of plans. Instead of meeting here at the library, we will gather at my new home. He handed out flashy business cards with an address printed on them. You have a new house? asked Miguel. Well, it's new to me. Moved in on Tuesday. I would have moved in sooner, but it took them longer to anticipate to install than anticipated to install the floor in the living room. Why did it take so long? asked Mr. Lemoncello. Asked Akini. Because, said Mr. Lemoncello, it's a trampoline. Okay, thought Kyle. Witnessing a famous horse race and chatting with historical characters was cool, but a trampoline for? That was going to be awesome. Well, before we move on to the fourth chapter, we're going to take a little break and see what else you kid experts are thankful for. The rest of you listeners can send us some more things you are thankful for for tomorrow in part two using the link in the description below and you can you can also send us some a, a story that maybe you wrote down or you could tell us which lemoncello's lemoncello books have you read okay let's see what you all are thankful for Three other of my board of trustees told me what they're thankful for. In at my board of trustees, I have my we have Celine, Abby, and Connor. So Abby said that she's thankful for books so she can learn and study. Celine said that she's thankful for a good family and good friends. And Connor said that he's thankful for podcasts so he can learn too. Now, let's continue our Lemoncello for our fourth chapter. Alright kids, welcome back. Now, before we get to our to our mystery sound today, we'll be continuing Lemoncello, Chapter Four. In Kansas City, Missouri, the game-making Crinkle Brothers were facing a crisis. The, their newest game was a bomb. Children hated it. Parents hated it. Sales were plummet plummeting. In damage control mode, the Crickle Brothers quickly convened a focus group to find out why the new project launch had been such a failure. Two brothers, the two brothers, Frederick and David, who were both, well, over 60, 
sat in the viewing room behind a one-way mirror. Both wore suits, ties, and, a cr and crisp white shirts. Both fiddled with their golden K cufflinks. The respondents, children ages 10 through 15, and a research moderator were on the other side of the glass, seated around a long conference table. So are you guys ready to help us make a good game even better? Said the, chief, said the chipper moderator. The children shrugged. I guess, said one whose name tag labeled him as Jack. I mean, you guys are paying us and all. Good attitude, said the moderator. Okay, you've all had a chance to play Whoopty Doodle 13. Reactions? Thoughts? The children shrugged again. It's sort of boring, said a girl named Lily. The other kids started nodding. Boring is a good word for it. Stupid, said a boy. And sad, said a girl. It's just sad. It's the exact same game as Whoopty Doodle 12, added Jack. And Whoopty Doodle 11. In the viewing room, David Crinkle's left eye started twitching. That's not true, he muttered. He we put a smiley face on the whoopty on the whoopy cushion. Ungrateful brats, mumbled Frederick, who was always a little grumpier than David. The object of all the Crinkle Brothers Whoopty Doodle games was to get your teammates to get to guess a phrase or famous saying by using only pictures, no words. If the time in the sandwich glass ran out before the team guessed correctly, you had to sit. You had to sit on a whoopee cushion. Whoopie Doodle Thirteen was the thirteenth edition of the game. A bright yellow star burst on the top. On the top said, "It was all new and all fun." The company's lawyers assured the Crinkle brothers they could legally make that claim because the clue cards and cards and phrases were new. So was the sand glass. It used to be pink. Now it was purple. But customers weren't buying the claim or the game, and it was the only new product, pro product the Crinkle brothers had in the pipeline for the coming holiday season, just six months away. My grandmother made me play Whoop-dee-doodle 13 when I was homesick from school last month, said Lily. It was about as much fun as a stale saltiness and flat ginger ale she gave me. Okay, okay, said the moderator. I'm hearing you. Let me top line these notions. He turned to the back he turned his back to the kids and started filling a whiteboard with words like boring, stupid, sad, and stomach and stomach flu. The while the moderator wasn't paying attention, Jack showed Lily his smartphone. Have you played Mr. Lemoncello's OG emoji yet? He whispered to her. No. Okay, let's put the phone 
No. Okay, let's put the phone away, Jack, said the moderator. Jack didn't listen. Guess the book or movie. He showed everyone the emoji clue. Lily studied the phone. The boys and girls leaned across the table to peer at Jack's phone and tried to solve the puzzle first. The emojis there was a house, a cloud, lightning, a swirl, a bike, a house, a scared face, a scared dead face, music, dime music, sparkles, a boom, a princess, shoes, a girl, a dog, a walking sign, music, a girl, a dog, a boy, music, a walking sign, a girl, a dog, a boy, an apple, a tree, another boy, music, a girl, a dog, a boy, another boy, music, children walking, a sign that says children walking, a lion, a tiger, a bear, and the words, oh my. Got it, said Lily. It's the Wizard of Oz. Is that game fun? asked the boy. Fun? said Jack, happily imitating the tagline on every lemon cello TV commercial. Hello, it's a lemon cello. Enough, fumed Frederick behind the one-way mirror. Turn them off. I hate those stupid commercials. David flicked off the intercom switch so they wouldn't have to listen to the little monsters in their other room. Thirteen was bad luck, said David, his eyes spasming. That's all. Bad luck? It could ruin us, Frederick said, seething. We just need a new idea, a new game, something spectacular, a home run. We also need a way to stop Luigi Lemoncello once and for all, said Frederick, working his hands together. That ludicrous lun lunatic has been a boil on our backsides long enough, David smirked. The answer is simple. Oh, really? And how do you propose we create a new smash hit while simulating simulate crushing Mr. Lemoncello's imaginary factory? Easy. We just need to increase our research and repositioning efforts. Frederick usually smiled. Ac Frederick actually smiled. Hmm. Too bad Benjamin Bean is no longer in our employ. He was one of our best researchers, researchers we ever hired. Don't worry, said David. Our new recruit is already on the job. Is he up to the task? Oh, yes. In fact, she will start this weekend. Well, before we get to chapter five, here's the mystery sound.
Okay, kids, that's our mystery sound. Now, since this is, this is an extra long episode, we thought we might share the answer right now. The answer is my little sister playing with a wooden tea set. So they, we have these little wooden toasts that she puts inside a wooden to- a fake wooden toaster, and she pops them up like this. That's why you hear some of those popping noises. You know, when the toaster pops up. Now, let's read Mr. Lemoncello's Great Library Race, Chapter 2. Ready? Chapter 5. Friday night, Kyle's mother drove him to Mr. Lemoncello's home for the trustees' meeting. I bet his house is amazing inside, said Kyle. After the library Olympics ended, Mr. Lemoncello had converted the main building of the Blue Jay Extended Stay Lodge, which had been Olympia Village, into a fully renovated mansion, adding a 40-foot tall glass ceiling over the whole thing so he could see the stars at night. He kept the motel's outlaying guest chatlets, so out-of-town trustees and their parents would always have a nice place to stay when they came to Alexandriaville for official meetings and events. The first thing Kyle noticed when his mom pulled in was the cluster of sandbagged balloons lining the driveway. Balloons, said Kyle. I hope there'd be balloons. The next thing, the next thing he noticed was the line of parked bookmobiles. I guess they picked up the out-of-towners at the airport, said Kyle. Kyle and his mom hurried to the front door, where instead of a doorbell or knocker, there was a shiny brass plate engraved with these words. To, to enter, look in the mirror and say, it must nipple. The plaque must be the mirror, said Kyle's mom, because it was shiny enough for her to see her reflection. A mess Emma's nipple, she said loudly. Nothing happened. Wait a second, said Kyle. It's a puzzle. If if you flip the letters like a mirror would and read them backward, it says, Open sesame. The instant Kyle spoke the words, the doorknob twisted and the door glided open. Mr. Lemoncello stood on the other side. Welcome, he said. He was dressed like a daredevil in bright yellow socks, a yellow flight suit, and a lemon-spangled crash helmet. Be careful crossing the carpet in in the living room, Mrs. Keeley. It's a little springy. I know, Kyle told me, told me. Did he tell you about the bathroom? No. It's a bouncy house makes using it much more fun. So be sure to hang on to to your toilet paper. Kyle and his mother made their way into the living room and bounded across the carpet. Hey everyone, hey everybody, look at me, cried 
Angus Harper, a kid from Texas who'd been on the Southwest team in the Olympics. He was bouncing off the trampoline floor and leaping for the ceiling so he could try to grab one of the pairs of banana shoes dangling off the upside-down flamingo chandelier. Excuse me, I need to get something in the kitchen, said Mr. Lemoncello, sliding his feet into into a pair of fuzzy slippers, which were fashioned after the fluffy, frazzled birds from his video game sensation, Rampaging Robin Rage. He clicked his heels together three times and said, To the kitchen, please. Four pairs of propellers twirled at the tips and heels of the slippers. Five seconds later, Mr. Lemoncello rose off the floor and drifted across the room. He ducked his head under a door jammed and under a door jam and disappeared. I have to see the kitchen. I have to see his kitchen, exclaimed Kyle's mom. I have to have these those drone slippers, said Kyle. They both hurried as best as they could across the wobbly living room floor and into the kitchen where they saw Mr. Lemoncello float up to retrieve a punch bowl from the highest shelf in the 30-foot tall pantry. It's just like the Hoover la- the Hoover ladders in the library, said Kyle's mom. Except drone, drone slippers are even better, said Kyle. I want a pair, said Miguel, who was already in the kitchen with his dad. Both of them, walking at all the food being prepared by a team of chefs. The kitchen center island island which was shaped like Sicily was piled high with pizza, hamburgers, hot dogs, french fries, chicken fingers, macaroni and cheese, and hot pockets. There were also vegetable platter plus a hollowed out lemon watermelon filled with all sorts of fruit nibbles. Mr. Lemoncello led the team of chefs and servers into the dining room where the legs of the massive banquet table were carved to look like the legs on a Dr. Seuss creature. Kyle's mom sat at the, sat at the separate grown-ups table. It was shorter than one of the board of trustees. One shorter than the one for the board of trustees. Kyle found a seat next to a girl he vaguely remembered from the from the Olympics, Catherine something. I'm Kyle Keeley, he said, extending his hand. I live here in, o- in Ohio. The girl shook his hand and smiled. I'm Catherine Kelly from Kansas City, Missouri. Funny, said Kyle. Our last names are kind of similar. So we have the same initials, KK. The girl laughed. Yeah, we have something else in common too. What? Famous game makers live in our hometowns. You have Mr. Lemoncello. I have the Crinkle Brothers. Well, that's it for chapter five. We're going to read chapter six in our next episode. Enjoy your Thanksgiving Eve. Thanks for listening.